This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Well, hello, and welcome to Celebration Church. I want to welcome everyone joining us online. Hi, Dad. Please stand with us as we recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith in what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you all so much for joining us this morning. Uh, this is the time in our service now where we pause to take our tithes and our offerings. Um, now, if you are giving cash or check today, uh, there's a little envelope you have in your seat back there. You can fill, put it in there, fill it out. And then you can put it in the offering baskets as you leave. Uh, when, when you leave the service today, don't leave now. It's not like, okay, here we go. Check, please, you pay and you leave. Uh, you, you, you can put it in as you leave. The ushers will be back there with the offering baskets. Uh, for everyone else and for most people um, these days, I've been giving online and digitally. Uh, and you can go to celebrationchurch.tv slash give. If you're watching online, I got a little give button on there. So you can give that way. Um, always uh, thank you guys for your continued faithfulness and support of uh, the church here. Now, if you... Uh, we're here last week, and you heard the message. You heard my dad talk about how we were, uh, you know, getting ready to refinance this building. Uh, it's kind of in a, a rough spot uh, when we came about 15 years ago, and we got into a better position than we were at that time, which what we're paying now is roughly about combined about 15% interest, and that was better than what we were doing. And how many know it was when you're in need, they don't really care. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, when, when things are going good and stuff, it's like they make you pay more and stuff. So we had to pay all this. We've been trying for 15 years, trying to get this thing taken care of. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, <laughs> we were just going to be faithful and just keep going. And it's been some of you guys in the church who have started coming up and almost encouraging your pastors <laughs> by saying, Here's some money. Let's do this. Here, we want to give to this. Let's make this happen. And we're like, really? We think, yeah. And what's been amazing is so many people have come forward and helping us do this thing. And so we jumped in. We started working with the bank. And I'm happy to announce that while we're not crossed the finish line yet, 
One of the big hurdle we did have was getting through all the credit approval and all that stuff like that. And we got approved to close by the bank this last week. Hallelujah. So we are, uh, we're going. So just continue to keep that in your prayers that everything continues to go smooth and stuff doesn't throw it off and what have you. And we can close and just really start to get this into a healthier situation to eventually get rid of all of the debt. Not a fan of debt. Amen. All right. So uh, this morning, we're going to be taking a look in uh, Philippians 3. Um, Paul here, he's in prison and he's writing this letter uh, to the church of Philippi uh, and his a lot of Paul's letters, it's half instructing the people and half yelling at some other people. <laughs> and uh, one of the things he's fighting against here and what we're gonna read is there's um, this whole group of you know, Jewish Christians, calls them Judaizers, it's kind of a slam on them. But where they're coming in and it's kind of like wherever Paul's going and he's planning a church and he's doing something, when he leaves, they come in and they start to try and tell you know, these new converts, and, the, and these aren't Jewish Christians, right? these are the Gentiles, and they go in and they tell them, well, you, really, you need, to be, you need to be like us first. You really need to become a, a Jew first. You need to follow all these laws and all this stuff, and you need to be circumcised and do all these things, and it's, uh, it's getting a little frustrating for Paul, um, you know, as we'll see in some of his language that he uses here. He's not happy with these people, and it's because what they're doing is slowing down the work, uh, you know, one of the things they're doing, first off, is they're trying to make, you know, uh, becoming a Jew and the way you live and how you look and stuff more important than Christ. And it's getting in the way of that, in which is Paul's getting very frustrated because he's trying to put, no, 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 it's not about that stuff, it's about Christ. And the other thing, just the practical thing is, is when they're saying this stuff, it's slowing down the growth of the church, which makes sense because if you, you know, if you know anything about circumcision, you can understand that that's a little bit of a hard sell at the end of, end of the membership meeting. <laughs> Everyone comes in, you know, and you go through, okay, you know, we're asking to be a member here. You believe in that, okay, do this. And we're looking for people to get, you know, we want people to volunteer. And oh, okay, yeah, that's a little bit of my time, but I can do that. You know, you can get along with everything until at the end they go. And then the last thing, can you come up forward and chop off the tip of your finger? Excuse me? <laughs> I, did not, uh, I did not see that in the fine print on here on the brochure. You know, it's like, well, you know, we're still uh, church shopping. Uh, we'll get back with you. I mean, that would obviously slow down. The, and think about it. I mean, this is too, this is before modern medicine. I mean, this was no, there's no Novocaine. There's no, you know, you're not going under for anything. as just you and the blade and the Lord. I mean, that's not comfortable, okay? And it's like, He's so positive and so frustrated at these people, you know, so he's, he's going to slam them a little bit. And then he goes in and, and he, he starts, talk, excuse me, he starts talking about how uh, uh, in his life, you know, he had these things and kind of his value system gets flipped upside down. And as, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, um, of course, first I, you know, it comes into my head as some cultural movie reference is often where my brain goes. And I thought, you know, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic sense. You know, you ever seen a movie like Mad Max or something like that? If so, Sinner, just kidding. Um, but it's, it's this post-apocalyptic world, right? And just everything's different. And uh, apparently people are gonna wear a lot of leather as from what I gather from that. You know, if the World War III starts, just start loading up on leather now because that's like what you're gonna wear, okay? And, and, that, and, and the economy system is all upside down. Things that are important now are, is like water. You know, if you control water, like, oh, that's the most precious thing. Gold and money, all that stuff's garbage. 
And because everything's been turned upside down, the economy's been turned upside down. And you kind of think of it differently. I thought, you know, <laughs> there's been times I know in, in my life where that's, that's happened. Uh, you know, I thought about how, you know, when, when my wife and I, when we first got married and, and we're, we're building this life, I mean, you know, we're going after, you know, career and trying to get money so we can do things. One thing we uh, did not consider of much value because we had such an abundance of it was freedom. We could do kind of whatever we wanted to. We could decide, you know, at any given moment, hey, let's go out of town for a few days. Yeah, okay, and just get up and go, assuming you didn't have to work or something. And then we have these beautiful little children that come into our lives. Love them, gifts from God, absolutely, yes. But then we realize we don't have any freedom. And now that becomes a resource that we go after greatly. In fact, the resource we were going after, money, we'll now give you money if you will give us some freedom. <laughs> right? And you do, and you find that babysitter, you hunt for them. You know, you search for them through the night to find that one babysitter you can trust that's so great, and the kids, you know, they don't terrorize the kids, and the kids like them. And if you find that babysitter, it's like you try to enter them into witness protection program, right? <laughs> like babysitter protection program. Someone should invent that. You find a babysitter, we'll, put, we'll sequester them, we'll take their name off the record, so we'll be able to find them. Because you want that resource. So whenever you go to that, you can have, because I want my freedom. I need two hours on the weekend, please. And everything just kind of changes in your life. And so uh, uh, that's a little bit of what Paul's talking about. He has this encounter with Christ and kind of see how everything in his life that he thought was important is now, well, that's not now important. Now this is important, all right? Now I did tell a story, dear wife of mine. Um, I don't know if I ever told you. Did I ever tell you that once when I was watching our oldest uh, as fathers do when we're watching a child, we put him in front of the TV and we fall asleep. And I was awoken to a thud. Did I ever tell you that? <laughs> I feel like the, you know, that's that, the statute. I mean, he's, he's 17 now. He's good. He's way smarter than I uh, have ever been. So clearly I didn't damage him. But I totally woke up to him hitting the floor. Uh, just between me, me and you, buddy. Don't tell anyone. Um, and I wasn't sure why I said that. I don't think that had any value. But I figured I'd come clean because it's out there on the internet. Someone's going to ask, so I hear your son's trouble. You know, it's funny. My dad, he, he was watching the first service, actually. He texted me. He's like, well, I think it's safe to say no one will ask you to watch their children. I said, fair enough. All right, mission accomplished. That's part. That's step one of what I wanted to get along is don't ask me to watch your children because obviously I will fall asleep and they may fall off of things. All right. But you start realizing kids are harder to kill than you realize. They are. Now, I, no, I'm not saying you try to, but I, like, I grew up, I was the youngest. I did not grow up around babies. I babysat one time for my uncle, uh, Bishop Ed, and uh, three boys and a little girl. I feel like I may have told this story before. I forgot there was a little girl there. I took the three boys and just left the house at one point. That's a lot, I mean, that's a lot of math. Three kids, four kids, who can tell? I had the majority of them, I, you know, still a winning percentage. But yeah, uh, he, gave, he gave me a... I came back and finally he got a hold of me, gave me calls. What's going on? Where were you? I'm like, what are you talking about with the kids? Where's Elizabeth? Because <gasps> I just got a call from the neighbors. She went over to the neighbors. Well, see, she's fine. It's, they're harder to get rid of than you think. So yes, don't let me watch your kids. Let's get into the scripture here, all right? Let's get into this. Let's read some scripture. It's me confessing my sins. So here Paul is, and he's a little frustrated with these Judaizers coming in, talking about circumcision. So he writes to the church in Philippi, he says here, chapter three, verse one, further my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. 
It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to you. So he's repeating something he said before. He said, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. He's talking about these Judaizer guys. He says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. So you can see he is not happy with these guys. He calls them dogs. And you go through and you research that, you know, back then in, in their culture, the dogs, I mean, they, they were scavengers. You know, they were the ones that came behind you and ate the scraps and this and that. So he's kind of likening that imagery to these guys because in his words, like, I go and I plant a church and then I leave and then these scavenger dogs come in and they're scavenging. They come into the church. Well, yeah, but are you circumcised? Do you have this? Do you have that? He's like, go away, shoot dog. And he slams them. He calls them evil doers. In other words, what they're doing is pulling the church away from God. He's not bringing them towards him. He's sitting there, instead of focusing in on Christ, like, no, 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 it's about you know, following the laws and how you look and if you've you know, been circumcised, all these things. And he's going after those things. He's, he says they're doing evil because they're taking you away from God. And then here he calls them those mutilators of the flesh. Uh, now, that's a translation of the Greek word in there. Now, now, when you look at the Greek, you find out that Paul was actually making a pun. Ha, ha, ha. And the, the, the Greek word for mutilation, mutilate, sounds almost like the Greek word for circumcise. So he's doing this on purpose. He's like, oh, what you're saying is circumcise? No, 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 it's actually this. You know, just change it up a little bit. You're actually mutilators. And that's a big slam to them because... You know, circumcision for these people, we do it today just for a medical thing or this or that. Them, it's a holy thing for them. This is why they're so adamant about that. You know, I was trying to think, like, what could we liken it to today? And the only thing I thought was, like, how we tend to be with our communion, especially if you grew up, you know, uh, in Catholicism and you grew up with the Catholic Church. Like, communion, that's the deal. And it'd be like someone coming in, instead of referring to communion or Eucharist, they said, oh, I gotta go up there and get my Jesus cracker. Right? That you, maybe you've made that joke, but that's like an offensive thing of like, because it takes all of the supernatural, it takes all the God, it takes all of what is going on in that moment and throws it out. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, you're sitting there saying you're doing circumcision. It's not circumcision. It's not this, you're, you're doing it because of this covenant that you know, uh, God made with, with Abraham. It, that's not what it's about. What you're doing is you're just mutilating flesh. In other words, it has no spiritual value. And he's hammering them and slamming them. And then he goes on and he's explained, he's like, no, no, see, what true circumcision is now, he says, it's those of us who serve God. It's we are the circumcision. You know, we who serve, who follow God by his spirit, who boast that we have a confidence in Christ, but not in any human ritual, but in Christ. We put no confidence in the flesh. And see, it's something... The circumcision here he's talking about, there's something that happens inside of us when we have faith in Christ. And then Paul goes on to talk about, you know, about the flesh. You know, he's referring to, you know, human nature, pride, action, and the things that these guys are trying to make him do. And he's slamming these guys for what they're doing. And I look at it, I thought, you know, sometimes when, sometimes when you can't hold yourself up to the standard that someone else does, Instead of just being saying, oh, I, I can't hold up to the standard, you just make fun of the other person. You know, like a common example would be, you know, uh, if you're playing sports, 
and you lose, uh, most people <laughs> have, can have a difficult time just saying, well, the better team won, right? It's usually that they cheated. You know, the refs were no good. <laughs> hey, that's the ref's fault. Ah, it's this and that. It's like, no, 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 right? Sometimes I've had this conversation with my sons, but we've all done it. I've done it. You know, get beaten as, oh yeah, you just beat me because of this or because of that. And it's, you know, we, we, we sort of slam them. We, we, we try and put them down because they're better than us. So you could look at this and when you're reading this and Paul wants to make sure here, whoa, 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 I'm not slamming these people because it's so hard what they're saying to do because they're putting these standards up and it's just too much for me to do. And he says this, he says uh, that he puts no confidence in the flesh. He's, he's, he finishes that sentence by saying, though I myself have such reason for confidence. You know, he's shows in here and he's about to show how you, you, you want to talk about holding up to those, uh, those big ideals, those things they're saying that they're going after. Dude, I was a rock star with what they're talking about. And he goes in and, and he explains this here. He says, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He says, I want to talk about circumcision. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. He goes through his resume here. He's like, oh, these guys, I'm not slamming them because it's tough, okay? I can speak to this because I was what those people, those people that are telling you that stuff, I was what they wished they could be. I was what they were aspiring to be. He breaks down his resume here. First, he relates it to the, you know, his relation to the Jewish nation. He says, okay, you want to talk about circumcision? I was circumcised on the eighth day. In other words, that was the exact way that God said. He said, you're supposed to circumcise on the eighth day. So he's like, I wasn't just circumcised. I was circumcised on the eighth day. He says, I was an Israelite by birth. This wasn't something I can, was a con conversion that happened to me. I was born into this. Not only that, but I was born into the tribe of Benjamin. This is one of the favorite tribes because this is the tribe that King Saul came from. He says he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he spoke the language. He had fluency in their language, in their culture. He grew up in that, everything inside of him. And then it shows relation to the law. You want to talk about the law. These guys come in and you're talking about the law. Dude, I was a Pharisee. In other words, I had my PhD in this. They came to me when they had questions about the law. I interpreted the law. I helped those guys know what the law is. So I know the law. He says, as for legalistic righteousness, it says he was faultless. In other words, he followed the law perfectly. He associated himself with who he was supposed to, stayed away from who he wasn't supposed to. He was the kind of guy, I mean, if you're running for office in that thing and it was based off of this stuff, you'd want this guy to run for office because you couldn't find anything wrong with him. He's done everything. And then it says, as far as in relation to Israel's enemies or in, in keeping with the law, not only did he follow the law, he had zeal, he had passion. And it seemed because he says, I persecuted the church. And people came against the law, came against what we were doing. It seemed like it was hitting against these Pharisees. Oh, I was one of the guys out there persecuting them. I was rounding up the men and women of the church. I was throwing them in jail and I was killing them. So don't talk to me about zeal. I get these guys, I was there, I'd been there, done that, perfected it. I was what they wished they could be. In other words, it's just a mic drop. This isn't a thing of like, 
I'm just upset because they're holding these standards we can't hit to. But now we're going to see how something happens in him. And he has a change in his values. His value system changes. Because he's going through and he's talking about this stuff. And when you look at it practically, you can take, well, what do I take from this? I mean, it means for me, whenever I'm called in to do something with Christ, whenever I'm put in a situation and there's a way I can do things the way I think they're done in my value system and go after those things, or I can choose to go Christ. I need to choose Christ. Because he says this, he says, whatever gains were to me, I now consider a loss for Christ's sake. In other words, it's like a, if you run a business or do accounting, you know, you want to see how the business is doing. You have a profit and loss statement and you take all your profits, all your gains, and you compare them against all your losses, right? And you know what all the things, all the gains are giving me this. So in, in our lives, we do this. There are things we consider gains, things we go after. We, we need to go after this. We need to achieve that. If I'm this kind of person, if I do that, this is a gain. This is what I need to go after. And that's what his, he said his whole life was. Those gains, not only did he go after those gains, he perfected those gains. And he says, I now consider them loss. I now have taken all those things in the gains and I moved them over into the loss category. And he says, the reason he does this, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. The Greek word there is scubula. And if you've been around long enough and remember back in the day, my dad has talked about what scubula means. Pretty sure he did a deep series dive in on just understanding the definition of scubula. <laughs> garbage is about the nicest possible translation. And it's not just my dad. It's, it's because it's all, you read all the theologians and the scholars, they go through this. They say, well, yeah, the, the Greek word for that is garbage is about the nice way you could say it. Dung is another way, uh, 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 poop, crap, and it keeps getting, I mean, you know where I'm going, okay? It's BS, basically, is, is, is what the actual translation is there. He is saying, I did all of these things. I perfected the thing everyone wishes, and I consider it something you should throw in the toilet and flush down because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. He says, I consider them scubula, <laughs> that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Like I said, his whole P&L statement, his own prophet, prophet and loss, it's mixed now. He takes what once was considered loss, which is Christ. Because right, he was going out there trying to crucify people kill them, persecute the church for people who are going out there and following Christ. He's like, oh, what I used to consider that loss, that's now my gain. And all the other stuff in my life I considered gain, I throw that in loss. He's saying the reason for this is because I don't want to stand and think that I have, my worth comes from what I've just accomplished, that my worth in Christ, my view in God is just because of, of things that I've done. Because he's kind of perfected that. He thought, you know, what? I, I actually was so good at that, I have to just throw them out. And I thought about that, I thought, yeah, you know, I think sometimes it's when we're in the best spots of our lives, when things are going the great, when we're accomplishing things and our relationships are good, and our job's going good things, that's probably sometimes the hardest time to really make a tough decision to follow Christ because we kind of think we're doing okay. So we're not looking for God. Tell me, because when things go bad in your life, right, when things are going tough, 
ah, Lord, help me. And you look for him and you seek him. But as I was looking at it, I was like, man, sometimes when I'm in, things are going well and my life is going good, like I need to keep reminding myself, I still need God. This is kind of part of what is nice about if you join in a Lent or you take time in the season of finding, looking in there, what's going on? How do I need to make room for God in my life? Because I don't want it to be about me and I feel good and confident and because I'm a good person and I've done the right things. I, my faith needs to be in Christ Jesus. He says this, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He's saying, much like Christ, I wanna make sure that there's almost a sense of, of suffering a little bit. You know, he kind of keeps himself in this suffering thing because he knows that it's in that that he knows his reliance has to be on Christ. This is sort of part of the idea of what you think of when you fast something, right? When we fast, when we give up something, when we remove something out of our life, it messes with us, you know? It, it should hurt a little bit. And the reason it hurts a little bit is because, you know, you're just reminding yourself, I, I could have, there's nothing, there's nothing evil in it. You give up chocolate, it's not, well, chocolate's evil. It's the, the idea is just, Treat, reminding yourself, no, I really want this, but I'm not going to because I need God more. And Paul's saying he's doing this with everything he had and he's throwing it out. And he's saying it's because he wants to be like Christ, to join in the suffering. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but what I do is I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul sustains these sufferings, these loss, these things that he could have put confidence in, these precious things that he had gained, and they weren't awful things. You know, it's kind of, you know, you hear him going on and hammering uh, these guys talking about circumcision. He wasn't like anti-circumcised, just, he just hated it. Because you actually read in Acts when he's you know, going out there and he's uh, uh, planting churches and stuff, he runs, he sees Timothy, he tells Timothy, hey, dude, go get circumcised. He tells him to because of the ministry he was gonna do. It was just easier, you're gonna go and talk to these Jewish folks. Like, it's just easier just to, you know, they're gonna, they can't look past the tip of your finger not being chopped off, okay? You just go in there and have that happen. And so he goes and does that. So it's not that he hates that, but it's when, it, what, what he doesn't like here is when these guys are coming in and they're saying, no, no, that comes first. That's more important than Christ. And see, that's, for me, when I look at this, man, that's really the, the lesson to remember for me, is what in my life am I, do I have too high up on the prophet statement as a gain that I should move over into the loss? In other words, what am I holding on too tightly that if Christ were to speak to me, he wanted to use me, that I wouldn't see it or I wouldn't say yes because I care too much about this. Because so I would say, well, what's it gonna cost me? And it's tough because every single one of you that are here, God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. He wants to use you in some way to share his love to the world. Sometimes we don't see it and we don't wanna be used because oh, I don't want to. I might have to talk to someone. I might have to be nice and I don't like being nice these people drive me crazy. And if you hold on to that too much, he can't use you. 
Sometimes you can get your lives so, so busy and everything else is so important that you hardly make any time for God. You know, you just think, well, I make it to church more than I don't. I, you know, I prayed the other month, uh, you know, but I'm doing pretty good. I'm nice to people, a lot of, oh, oh, careful. Make sure that you're not putting stuff that you do because I'm sure you're good. I'm sure you're all here, wonderful people. But don't think, realize that it's good to be a great person. It's good to be successful. It's good to go after those things. But those things in, in your mind, the way you look at it, they can't be more important than Christ. They shouldn't be. You should think, no, no, no. I'll have those things. I thank you, Lord, for those things. But God, if you need me to do something, if you want to use me in some way, help me to see that. In fact, Lord, help me to view the things that I have through you first and then those things. See, circumcision has meaning and is deep when, when they viewed it through what was God was doing but they lost sight of what God was doing. And it was just about just do the action. And Paul said, well, when you do that, when you lose God in the whole thing, you're just mutilating flesh. Let's make sure we're not doing that in our lives. God's given us things, talents and abilities that we're not just viewing God through the lens of those things first, but let him come first. God, how do you want me to use this? How, how, how can you be real in my family? What do, you, what do you want me to do with my job and these things I've done? Help me see it. Amen? Amen. All right. As we close out here, we move into our time of communion. As we do every Sunday, and I love this, it gives us a chance as we come together to examine ourselves, to take account of our little prophet and law statement and say, God, what, what am I getting wrong in this thing? Help me to see it, right? And so as we go through, just ask everyone to bow their heads, and I'm going to say this prayer. And as, as we do this, just do, look, look inwardly. Ask God to point out for you, look for those things that he's, he's speaking to you, that the Holy Spirit is pointing out, things that you need to maybe let go of the grip of a little bit and, 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 and hang on more tightly to Christ. And during this time as well, if, if you're a person who's never really accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, take a time now as we pray, as we transition into communion, to ask him to come in and be Lord of your life. So with those in mind, let's pray. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we now pause to look inward to examine ourselves. God, help us to see things we've gotten out of whack, things that we maybe we consider too high of a profit that we need to let go of a little bit. So Lord, if we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us, forgive us of all our sins, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.